0: Excellent. Good morning, everyone, and a happy new year to all those that I haven't seen yet. Happy new year. Now, it's quite exciting because not only am I giving the second sermon of the year, but I'm actually giving the first talk of our new sermon series called Big Change. Big Change. Now, this sermon series is a bit different, and as Caitlin said earlier, we're giving Simon a well-deserved holiday over the January period. And so it, the young adults are the only people that are going to be coming up here on SAGE talking to everyone here. Now, hopefully, it'll be the young adults. It's, public speaking is a bit scary, I know. So hopefully, it'll be more than just myself up here. But before we get into it, let's just start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather here today we thank you that each time we read your word, we are filled with your nourishment. Allow your will to flow out and continue to be done on this earth. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. Amen. So, as I always sort of do, let me ask you a question. I always like to start with a question. It's the new year, and so has anyone come up with any New, year, new Year's resolutions or goals that they want to achieve for this year? Now, I know I have. I've personally uh, set some personal goals for myself this year, even though we're one week into 2023. And for myself and Alyssa, for the company that we both own and run, we've set out our own business goals for the year and what we want to achieve out of 2023, both short-term and long-term goals. Now, when we enter into a new year, change starts to happen. And most obviously, we go from 2022 into 2023. That's probably the most obvious change that happens. We go from one year into the new year. Now, when we, typically when we go into a new year, we take this time to reflect on what happened last year. And we, we looked sort of briefly at this last week where we spent some time in prayer and in reflection of what happened last year. And as we look upon last year, we like to plan out the future and what we want to achieve and what we want to see changed for the new year. Now most commonly what people like to do in their new year's resolutions is eat more healthily, get into better shape, see see and spend time with friends and family more, the list goes on and on and on. And it can be very personal, very sort of generic depending on what you want to do. before we get into the passages today, let me just paint a picture for you, set the scene just to get us sort of started. Now, imagine at this moment in your life, you're walk- you are working your normal nine to five job, yeah? You're just going about your business, working your normal nine to five job, and someone randomly comes up to you and they offer, new- offer you a new job, a new position at this company. But not only that, they say that because of you, this company will grow tenfold. It will grow into the hundreds, into the thousands, and keep growing and growing and growing, all beginning with you. Now, I don't know about you, but I would think this person's crazy, right? Like Me? It all starting with me? That, that can't be, right? It's, it's not going to happen. With all that in mind, New Year's resolutions, what you want to achieve for this year, change, and that little story, let's read our first passage of today. Our first passage comes from John 1, 40 to forty two, and it says this. Uh, if I can bring it up here, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said, and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, "We have found the Messiah, which means Christ." Then Andrew brought Jesus to meet. So, sorry. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. We have two readings. So our second reading today is Matthew 16, 13 to 19. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. In the first passage that we read, so in John 1, 40 to 42, Simon meets Jesus for the first time. And upon meeting with Jesus, Jesus says that Simon will be called Cephas. Cephas, Cephas. hang on, I thought we were talking about Simon Peter here. Who's Cephas? What what is Cephas? And that's a very good question. So let's break, break some names down for us. Cephas is a masculine Aramaic word meaning rock. So Cephas is a masculine Aramaic word meaning rock. It's Aramaic. Petro also means rock in Greek. So, Petro also means rock in Greek. From that, we can transliterate the two words, the Aramaic word Cephas, into the Greek word Petro, because they both have the same meaning. They both have the same meaning there. We can then translate the word Petro from Greek into English, which is Peter. So, Petro from Greek into English is Peter. So if you're still sitting there lost and confused, let me do the translation, but in the other direction. When we translate the word Peter into Greek, we get the name, hang on, sorry. Yes, let me, when, when we translate the word Peter into Greek, you get Petro. When you get Petro, it means rock, and rock in Aramaic is Cephas. So let me just say that again. Peter into Greek is Petro, Petro means rock, and rock in Aramaic is Cephas. Cephas is Peter's Aramaic name, Petro is Peter's Greek name, and Peter is Peter's English name. So you're all all with me on that? That sort of makes sense? And Cephas only appears a handful of times in the Bible, and if you can't remember any of that, all you have to remember is that Cephas is just another name for Peter, The two mean rock. Now, circling back to the passage in John, John's passage, notice that Jesus says to Simon Peter, he will be called Peter. He will be called Peter. Not that he is called Peter, but he will be called Peter. It's not yet. This will happen in the future. Now, compare this to the passage in Matthew the disciples have now spent much time with Jesus learning about him, hearing his teaching and his, witnessing his miracles. But none of the disciples at this point in time had publicly said to Jesus that he was the Messiah. At this point in time, it was just sort of running theories and they had thoughts about it, but they hadn't sort of concretedly said, yes, he is the Messiah. Now, Simon Peter was the first disciple to publicly say to Jesus that Jesus is the Messiah. After hearing this, Jesus then says that Peter's name is now Peter. Not will be Peter, it is now Peter. So from John will be Peter, now Jesus is saying you are now Peter. Further from that, Jesus continues to say that Simon Peter will be the rock that Jesus' church will be built from. Remember, the word Peter, Cephas Petro, the word Peter means rock. Peter will be the rock that Jesus' church will be built from. And imagine that. That, that would be a huge honour if, if you were told that. You'd be ecstatic. What if Jesus said to you, you will be the rock that the church is built on? That would, that would be massive. You know, this, this, this person that you've spent so much time with, you've looked towards, you've learned all their teachings, you've seen all their miracles, and then all of a sudden they've bestowed this upon you, that would be, that would be wonderful, that would be great. But I don't know about you, in, this, in the same breath, I would be kind of nervous and would find that sort of very daunting. It's a big, it's a big task to try and do that, and I'd, I'd be afraid of stuffing it up. At the, at the same time... You know, feeling amazing because Jesus has just gave, gave this to you. And so as, as we see from the book of Acts, after Jesus' death and resurrection, and as we can see in history, as history continues after the book of Acts, Peter does become the rock that the church is built on. Peter is monumental in the success for the early Christian church. All you have to do is open up the book of Acts and you can see the many interactions, deeds and miracles in the name of Jesus that were performed by Peter. And here are just a few. Acts 9.34 says, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Acts 3.5-7 says, The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Acts 2, 38 says, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, Peter has this massive change after meeting Jesus. Not only is it a name change, but he went from being Simon a fisherman, Simon a disciple of Jesus, to the apostle Peter, the rock that the Christian church is built from. This is a massive change that happens in Peter's life. And as we continue in this sermon series, we will find that when a biblical character's name changes, so does their life. Now we all know that in life when change happens, it can be quite sudden, instant, it can happen like that, or it can be quite drawn out, it's a process, a process of change. And it's great in all that Simon, who is now called Peter, is now the rock and has gone through this change, but we also like to call Peter a couple of other things, don't we? Think think amongst yourselves, have you ever called Peter something else? Have you ever referred to him by another name or have you put something else in front of his name before? Something like Paul, Peter? Stumbling, Peter? Or even bumbling, Peter? You see, Peter is this great figure, but his road to greatness has many ups and downs. Peter wasn't the perfect disciple. He won't get everything right. That despite his good intentions, he would constantly, constantly put his foot in his mouth. Time and time again, Peter would stumble and he would fall. You just have to go back through the Gospels to see Peter's many, many failings. In Matthew 14, 22 to 33, when Jesus is walking on water, Peter decides to go out and be with him and, but falls into the water. In Matthew 17, 1 to 9, during the transfiguration on top of the mountain, Peter gets to witness Jesus having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. This is meant to be a monumental occasion. This is a one-in-a-lifetime event for Peter. He's getting to witness this. He should be there in reverence, in awe, in worship. But what does Peter do? Not knowing how to act in this situation, Peter decides to build tents for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Well, typically, well technically, it's tabernacles he decides, to, he decides to build. And Peter then blabbers on, interrupting Jesus, the conversation that he's having. And what happens? God has to shut Peter up and say to him, listen just listen to my son. In Mark 14:37 to 38, after the Last Supper, whilst in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asks his disciples to stay awake and keep watch. But whilst our Saviour, whilst Jesus is there weeping in the garden, what uh, what is Peter doing? Well, he fell asleep. And even after Jesus bestowed upon Peter his name, telling him that he will be the rock that the church is built on, Peter then becomes the mouthpiece for Satan. In Matthew 16, 23, Jesus predicts his death, telling his disciples this, that he will die. However, Peter decides to rebuke this prediction, saying, no, surely you won't die. This leads Jesus to say, then turn to Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. This comes right after Jesus praises Peter for acknowledging that he is the Messiah, and then Jesus calls him Satan. How heartbreaking and humiliating that is for Peter. And finally, to put the nail in the coffin out of everything else, even though Peter vowed to Jesus that he would never deny him, never deny him. In Mark 14, 66 to 72, when Jesus is arrested, Peter is there watching in the bushes and gets questioned. Peter denies knowing Jesus three times, even though he vowed not to. You see, Peter is a flawed character, Despite his best efforts, he stumbles and he falls time and time again, and he goes through change, big, big change. But his road to change is not a perfect one. And see, this, this is why Peter is such a relatable character for us. We all here are not perfect. Even though sometimes we might think we're perfect, I know I'm definitely not perfect. But in life there are many ups and downs. And as a result, because, that, because we know that we might be able to stumble, we are reluctant to change. We are reluctant to implement any sort of change because we don't want to fail. A small personal example from my own life that, about this is, I want to become a better drawer. I want to become better at drawing pictures and, and things. I want to change the ability that I have about drawing. But when I sit down and try and just try to practice, try to just draw anything, I'm strangled by my own fear. I'm strangled by the fear that I'm not going to create anything that is perfect. I'm afraid to fail. And as a result, I'm just afraid to even try. I don't even bother. The funny thing is, ironically, if I just practiced, if I just drew something, anything, even if it wasn't perfect, I would slowly become better at it. After practicing and becoming better and better and better, I would, I would just become better. See, the fear of failing in change cripples us. It holds us back. We start to overthink the entire process. A quote, a quote, that I read about overthinking goes like this. The difference between overthinking and being overly prepared is overthinking stops us from achieving our tasks or goals. The difference between overthinking and being overly prepared is overthinking stops us from achieving our tasks and goals. It's a scary thought, isn't it? But in life, there will always be ups and downs. Just like Peter experienced, he went through ups and downs. But even though Peter failed time and time again, Peter's story does not end there. Even though he denied him three times, that's not where the story ends. You see, Peter loved Jesus with all his heart and followed him unquestionably. Despite his boldness and impulsiveness, Peter was steadfast in his faith. When Jesus was walking on the water, Peter was the only disciple to step out in faith to go to Jesus. He was the only disciple to go, yes, I will be with my Messiah, my teacher. I will follow him out there. Peter was the first disciple to publicly acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah. And time and time again, Peter would be the one to answer Jesus' question correctly, again and again and again. And as you can see at the end of the book of John, after the resurrection of Jesus, instead of condemning Peter for his actions, what did Jesus do? He gave him grace. Instead of meeting with Peter and just turning the other direction, walking off or going, see ya, bye, hi, it's been nice knowing you. What did Jesus say to Peter? He said, follow me. Despite of all Peter's actions, he returned to him and said, follow me. Jesus took this bumbling, stumbling fisherman and prepared him to be the spearhead of the Christian church. And this should give us great encouragement and joy because even when we fail in life, through the power of Jesus Christ, we are saved. That even when we stumble and fall, Jesus, God has our back. Just like Peter, God has only got our backs through the saving grace of Jesus. Through the committing and having that relationship with Jesus, God and Jesus has our back. So I want to ask you this question here today. Do you have that relationship with Jesus? Do you have that relationship with Jesus? (laughs) Jesus will prepare the path for you. He will mold you and he will catch you when you fall. So I ask again do you have that relationship with Jesus? As I wrap up here today, let me just give you a quote to end on. Peter had feet of clay. Peter had feet of clay. You see, clay is soft. It is moldable, and it can be shaped into whatever you want it to be. But it can also crumble and fall apart. It can be washed away. But what happens when clay dries, when it is cooked, and after it is molded, it is cured? It can be hard as stone. We all have feet of clay, and it is through Jesus The clay feet that we have are moulded into pillars of stone. This is through Jesus. Peter had feet of clay. We all have feet of clay. Let me just end in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again and again for providing us your son's everlasting love. That no matter how many times we fail, through your son, Jesus Christ, you will be there to catch us. Lord, may your name be kept holy and true. May your kingdom come onto this earth, allowing us in the ups and downs in life to continue to spread your kingdom. Lord, continue to give us sustenance through your word. Forgive us of our sins and forgive those that sin against us. Lord, you know what is in our heart and we give you all that to you, Lord. Allow us not to be led into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name I pray. Amen.